0: What's up, everyone? Thanks for listening. I have a really fun podcast with a friend of mine who is an entrepreneur. He's focused on e-commerce and specifically CBD and other high-risk industries. And he's got some really fun stories, um, both about success as well as failure and overcoming challenges. He's a cryptocurrency fan. Um, He's a big uh, Bitcoin trader. And we talk a little bit about that. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Give it up for Michael Bryant. But before we get to the episode, I want to give a big special shout out to our sponsor for the podcast and every podcast, Action. If you aren't aware, it's been a huge week for Action as they've launched on a brand new website. If you go to drinkaction.com, and that's Action with a K, you'll be able to find the new website and you'll also be able to find where you can sign up to win free coffee for an entire year. That's right free coffee for a year. Who couldn't use it? I mean, action's already cheap. When you compare it to the four to $5 that I know I was spending going to certain coffee establishments in the area, um, it's like less than 50 cents a cup. So ordering it in a two pound bag, that's probably the most efficient way. That's what I do. I know that's what a number of my friends do. They like it that way and you get ahead of it. And I believe they're actually coming out with a subscription model, um, should be released shortly, and that'll make it even easier. You just set it, forget it, have your coffee delivered to your house every single week. Outside of coffee, they also have natural performance supplements, things like turmeric and CBD, uh, MCT oils, um, really cool. And they're a big supporter of martial arts and athletics and just anybody in general who lives an active life Uh, and likes to get after it. If you drink coffee, you need to try action. And if you're into other cool supplements, check them out as well. Drinkaction.com. Code word curious will get you 15% off your order. Enjoy the episode guys.
1: rolling all right nice to be here
0: glad to have you buddy
1: yeah what are you drinking uh, just coffee
0: yes sir some action coffee
1: nice yeah nice
0: you a coffee drinker
1: i am uh right now i am having a white claw because i'm getting ready to go on vacation so i am uh just trying to Set the tone and unwind a little bit with my brain. I've just had a crazy week over the past uh, two weeks.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I, I've noticed that for some of the stuff I've seen you post. where are you heading on vacation? If you don't know mind, uh, we're
1: going to Lake Norman, North Carolina. Okay. So we rented a, a lake house down there, and that should be uh, that should be a ton of fun. Uh, we're just going down with another couple and uh, and our kids and just hanging out.
0: Yeah. I just got back from South Carolina. We were in Hilton head. Nice. Same thing. Just relaxing, taking a much needed week of as, as much decompression as possible and separation from all things work is, uh, it can get a little overwhelming sometimes.
1: It sure can. Uh, this week for me was especially crazy. I had a couple hundred thousand dollars held from the banks. Uh, just one of those one of those weeks. I mean, we processed too much through our merchant accounts, and they were like, "Hey, all of this traffic, you know, you've ramped up ten times what you were at, you know, in the past two weeks, and we need you to basically, we need to verify that the customers are real, and to go through that process to make sure that you guys aren't money laundering." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What? <laughs> like, sure, no problem. Like, call them all. I don't care." So we, uh, we let them call the customers and, uh, we should be getting our appeal notice today and everything should be released, but still it's just a pain in the ass whenever you have, you know, more than a quarter million dollars being held up for no fucking reason at all.
0: Yeah. So uh, maybe go back, let's take a step back and kind of lay the groundwork of what it is that you do to, I, you said you're almost ready to go on vacation. So you're sitting at home chilling, rolled a joint drinking a White Claw, yeah. Let people, let's kind of lay the foundation of how you're even able to do that on a day-to-day <laughs> basis.
1: Yeah, sure, so I started a CBD company about 18 months ago. Um, in our first 12 months, we grew the company to just over five million in revenue, and uh, this year we're on track to do 20, and uh, next year my goal is 50. Um, no outside investors, no debt, No, no, nothing. We just, uh, we bootstrapped it and uh, my father-in-law and I, and we just have continued to go down the path of uh, affiliate marketing. And uh, we bought an SEO company recently and uh, we integrated them with us and also trying to capture the revenue that they were already generating before uh, Mm -hmm. from their clients.
0: It sounds like a fun way to make a living, Mike. (laughs)
1: it's fun but it can be nerve-wracking i mean like it's it's one of those things where like cbd doesn't play well with all the banks uh especially without the safe banking act being passed so banks i'm at their mercy i mean like if they see the slightest little red flag or you know Mm -hmm. thing that could cause them concern or worry they have the ability to hold up to 100 percent of our funds that was you know run through on credit cards they can hold it for up to a year so having a relationship with the bank is absolutely imperative in my opinion yeah so the past two weeks uh we've been scaling up and scaling up even more and uh we've been in talks with them but at some point it doesn't really matter because like i can talk to the banks and tell them we're going to increase traffic, but no matter what, they have their own protocols set in place that are going to set red flags at their own levels. Mm-hmm. We just we can't control that.
0: I'm going through this right now on on the front end of getting merchant accounts set up because of a, a single product within Action. So I, you know, I'm a, I'm a partner in Action, which is was primarily specialty coffee. Uh, okay, that's been being sold direct-to-consumer, e-comm, and roasted in Austin, Texas. And we're expanding upon that coffee with additional blends of coffee, as well as a turmeric and small, small bit of CBD, hemp powder. It's, it's more 400 milligrams of turmeric and then, uh, 10 milligrams of CBD. So Really, really leveraging on the turmeric side, but because of even that small amount of CBD, even though it's a broad spectrum, we have to run everything, even our coffee through a a high risk merchant. And I'm kind of learning all of what you're talking about right now, as far as, you know, rolling reserves and, you know, all the different, all the different fees and possible regulations and restrictions of what we can say online and on social media. And I mean, there's... There's a lot of uncertainty, I think, is probably the main thing because there's so many other consumer goods that are more detrimental to health or pose a bigger risk to the consumer than something that contains 10 milligrams of CBD. But it's just a lack of understanding a product, what it does, the risks that are potentially even out there, if any, um, that kind of, and then, then really isn't it more of a leverage game because they can, mm-hmm. they will, right? Because ultimately it means that you and I are paying more money to the bank for them to hold our money.
1: The argument that I made to the bank was, hey, our chargebacks are below half a percent on paid media, which is incredible. Two percent or under is the standard. Mm-hmm. And we're at half a percent or less. And I'm like, you guys are basically the leech or the, the barnacle that is tied to my boat. Just take the money and let us run like if our chargebacks were to be insane meaning that a customer is unsatisfied with the product and i didn't offer a return or they thought that they were fraudulently charged in any capacity or whatever a customer can do a chargeback Mm -hmm. and basically that removes the money from the merchant's account immediately and then it's on us to provide the burden of proof that we sent you the product that we, that you ordered from your IP address, all that sort of stuff. And it's just, we're at, and you're seeing it now too, but you're just at the mercy of any of these banks and merchants. It's just how it goes. And unfortunately, whenever you're not the, the big man with the stick um, carrying it around, you know, even at $20 million a year, Medterra, I think, is doing 120 million a month. Like, yeah. they don't care about me. You know, 20 million a year may sound like some outrageous number, but to me, I'm just like I'm one sixth of Medterra's monthly. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a whole year. So, you know, while while that amount is certainly good for like a father and and son-in-law sort of business, it's you know. It's not necessarily outstanding. Whenever you're looking at the cannabis market as a whole,
0: yeah. So, can you get into your decision to leverage affiliate marketing and share? I mean, obviously, don't don't share any trade secrets, but I'll share everything. You know what I mean? Here. Like, what's the what's the reason you decided to go that way for a you know to go to market strategy, and and how does it benefit you?
1: So, I went with affiliates for two main reasons. One, I didn't have to come out of money with ads for ads uh, because I went to different affiliates and networks and I negotiated what's called a weekly net seven payment structure with them, meaning that they would run traffic and I would only pay for conversions. I pay a higher rate, but I only pay for conversions. So I'll pay anywhere between $80 to $120 a sale to acquire a customer but I only have to pay for that once. And my average shopping cart, because of how we bundle our products, ends up being right around $185 to $200 a cart. And we don't see a repurchase from a customer for about five months. I'm okay with that because I'm always cash flow profitable on the front side. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that was really intriguing to me about affiliates was the fact that I could get them to run paid media And then I get to collect the cash on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the following Monday, and then I don't owe them a bill until the next Friday or the next Monday after that. So I'm able to cash flow for basically 14 days on lines of credit with these networks. And to me, that was like, whenever you're bootstrapping, whenever you're trying to do everything, you know, with a relatively minimal budget of, you know, like a quarter million dollars to start. I mean, it's, that's one main way that you can attract your key demographic. Plus, you know, that the people that are sending out your products, they're not sending out clicks to people that are not already interested in CBD. They've determined what's going to work for them because they want it to back out for them just as well as I want it to back out for me. Right. And, uh, from there, we just started building out SEO uh, because I wanted to own my own traffic instead of you know buying it every time.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that probably heightens the importance of operational efficiencies, customer service, because to your point, you're paying for you're paying a, a fairly deep price for a customer on the front end, but there's the assumption that you're going to get them as a returning customer and you're going to get them to bundle products inside of your cart. So That's the, correct. the importance of delivering above and beyond their expectations and ensuring that they come back in that five month period and maybe tell two or three friends as well is probably even more important when you're in an affiliate program.
1: We, um, what we'll do is after they purchase, uh, we 'll just send them content based emails for the most part, depending on the package that they purchase, they get segmented into different lists. If they purchase five bottles, you know we obviously know that they're probably not going to be buying next month. Mm-hmm. So instead of just targeting them with like a sale or another you know salesy sort of email we'll just target them for like the next four months with content driven you know information and educational information and just try to keep them on the ball so that way not only are they learning about cbd but they're also remembering to take it yeah and you know because i know whenever i take supplements except for weed uh i may forget to take it like as a whole i tried taking alpha brain which i really enjoyed from on it forever i tried taking it for like 30 days and I ran out one day and I couldn't get it in, and then I broke my entire habit. Mm-hmm. It was just like I went right back to going to Starbucks and getting a peach green tea lemonade.
0: How how ironic is that though? That cannabis is the one thing that you don't forget, even. <laughs>
1: right, I uh, I think I don't forget it because I, for me, I smoke mostly. And I just enjoy the the taste profiles of different cannabis as a whole.
0: Yeah, somewhat so, of a ritualistic aspect to it as well.
1: That and I've been doing, I've been smoking for probably 12 years now, every single day without any sort of tolerance breaks. So I think I, that's like probably my most ingrained habit other than breathing uh, or watching my children is smoking cannabis.
0: running a business while you do it yeah so i i would imagine being able to leverage online business it allows you to spread yourself a little wider than typical Mm
1: -hmm. right yeah so we i've actually started doing consulting for other companies we did um we did some consulting and affiliate and SEO work for Kushley over the past couple of months. We've taken on some keto clients, anyone that's pretty much looking to be in like a high risk space. I have the network and affiliates to be able to get them traffic. Now, whether traffic continues to flow to you or not, that can vary upon, you know, a multitude of things. If you don't pay your, your invoices, for instance, Uh, they're not going to keep running traffic to you. I've had that scenario happen where (laughs) I've referred and they get traffic, they get, you know, 20,000 in sales. And then they're like, Oh, they don't want to pay
0: their cost of acquisition fees.
1: Yeah. And they're like, that's expensive. And I'm like, well, you signed a contract with them. So like, you're going to have to take care of that. Um, and, and that shit happens. I mean, but like at the end of the day, I think, probably like our greatest asset is the fact that we are a small company and anytime that there are problems, we're able to handle them and be very nimble and very quick. There's not a whole lot of approval processes that need to happen. You know, I make one phone call and it's like, okay, my partner is ready and I'm ready. That's all that we need for permission to move forward. And I think that's the advantage of all smaller companies over bigger companies in my opinion.
0: Oh my God. It's how many people are having those realizations over the last six months? And what will be the long-term effect? Like how many how many really smart people are gonna migrate away from extremely important enterprise business that are just too big and aren't the structure that's required for somebody like that to grow and thrive. And they find themselves being able to make two or three times the amount. I was talking um, 100%. Yes yesterday with some uh, a kid that uh, teaches chess in Austin, Texas. And we were talking about like teachers who have an entrepreneurial mindset and go out and identify students who, whose family and who as individuals want to learn and continue to learn and who would pay this person to take them on, to teach them, but whether it be virtual, probably would have to be virtually but you could essentially shrink the size of your classroom, make four to five times as much money, control your own curriculum, be your own boss, not have to deal with all the bullshit that comes along with working in a public school system. Yep. And the smart teachers are the the ones that are going to do that, which is even scarier because what's then that going to leave in the public schools?
1: Well, I think that's a... A problem that the government has opened up for themselves uh primarily in my opinion locking down is the dumbest fucking thing that we could have done i mean not locking down as a whole but making everyone wear masks and making all the healthy people that were not sick like stop working like you killed the commercial real estate market as a whole Because now employers have realized they don't need brick-and-mortar locations whenever Zoom works perfectly fine. And they can get just as much work done. And instead of, you know, certainly some people are going to fall by the wayside with that. Uh, But I believe that the majority of people that fall by the wayside with that are probably slackers. And they were probably slackers in the brick-and-mortar job, too. And you just didn't notice it and and I I see it with my wife's company, like there are certainly some people, like we have a, a dedicated nanny that is here during the day from eight to five. So that way we can work and someone can be with our children. And then after five, we can actually focus and be present with our kids. I would rather have that time afterwards and I can still see him during the middle of the day, but I would much rather have that time afterwards where like I can put my phone down and literally just be present with him and not worrying about, you know, I'm of course I'm worrying, but like and not focusing on work and watching my kid at the same time. I did that for the first year while we were scaling our company. I watched my son full time and scaled our company to 5 million. And I don't know if this is the reason, but like his speech is a little bit delayed from where it should have been. It's much better now that we have a full-time person, but I feel partially to blame for that because it's, it's one of those things where like, maybe if my eye had been solely on the ball of my child and not also growing a company, maybe he wouldn't be a little bit delayed on speech. And like I think that a lot of consequences that we're not seeing with parents yet because we haven't seen this whole thing play out, we're gonna start to see a lot of that, yeah. and that's the scary part.
0: No, yeah. self recognition and and being honest with yourself is, you know, I've all, I've always said self awareness is one of the most important characteristics and traits that anybody can have, and it's the it's like the truth serum, you know, because so many people operate in a position of like not they just they don't operate in reality and then their decisions don't jive with reality and then they don't understand why (laughs) i mean it's like it's it's like that simple sometimes and you know what i mean depending on what topic but it's kind of always the same thing a lot of times people they've got a false sense of what's going on
1: for sure i mean all right, let's, if we want to get really, truly real, let's talk about, uh, um, I used to be a real estate agent. You know this, uh, but I used to be a real estate agent. Uh, one time I was supposed to have this, it was supposed to be the biggest commission that I was going to get. And it was crazy. I think that the deal was like $114 million in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, I was going to make like 2.6 after the referrals and everything was going to get like split. And before it closed, one week before it closed, my dumb ass went and bought a car. It didn't close. I just like, I learned right then and there, like you can't count anything until it's done. Mm -hmm. And nothing is truly real until it's real. Like I've almost had my CBD company sold three or four times. We get all the way through the due diligence process And, you know, typically it's the fact that the seller or not the seller, the the buyer doesn't have proof of funds and doesn't. And so now that's the first thing that I ask for. I'm like, I I won't even talk to you unless I see and my lawyer verifies a full fucking proof of funds. Otherwise, I know that I'm just wasting hours, days of my time.
0: Yep, That you can be putting towards growing the business more.
1: Sure, and I'm sure that you certainly see that too. Because if I remember at our last conversation, whenever you came uh, over for my podcast, whenever I was starting that, yeah. uh, you you certainly stayed with the podcast system a lot longer than I did. And you've had you know narrowed tunnel vision, which is what I took in the direction of the CBD company, but you took it in the direction of content, and it's clear to see, you know, with you what the results can be whenever you really narrow in on one certain topic.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it it really is that it's, it's the focus and part of it is being able to be authentic. I think there were things kind of pulling me in different directions when I first started to do it. I knew that I wanted to talk. I knew I wanted to talk to people and there's over the course of like a year and a half, two years, there's been so many things that have happened too many that I could even name that have impacted and kind of nudge my direction in one way or another. And when all of this pandemic happened, I kind of said, okay, let me take a breath. And I told myself I can be one of two people. I can be someone who at the end of whenever this ends be ahead or I can be stagnant. And I always talk about like man something happens you see a, a big event happen whether it's good or it's bad and there's a group of people who get ahead and I've I've cognitively thought about that and this time I was like okay this is one of those events they're shutting they're telling the government's telling us to not go to work for 2 weeks they're telling us to stay at home and then I kind of was like, well that gives me a little bit more time to spread myself thin, you know. I can I don't have to be in front of anybody now. There's a reason why. I started to, you know, stay up later. I tried to optimize as many hours of the day as I could and was like, okay, this is my this is my chance. I don't want to just waste this 2 weeks and then the 2 weeks turned into a month and then the month turned into 3 months and at that point I had already started to to get the ball rolling and was like, I'm relaunching a new podcast. I'm gonna leverage Zoom. It's gonna give me an opportunity to really expand my network. And it it just went from there. And I've I've tried to keep an open mind of who I've talked to. Uh, You know, everybody from mixed martial artists to performance coaches and doctors. I had Mike Dolce on, who's like a four-time mixed martial art coach of the year and like a diet and weight management expert. I just had a friend from uh, my hometown who teaches chess. I was mentioning you, you know, I've had, and I've got others planned some who are, are fairly notable people and others who really aren't, but all who I find interesting. But yeah,
1: I think that's the cool, like, that's the cool part about like I, whenever I saw you change, you know, your Instagram handle and you launched, you know, this podcast, I thought that was the coolest part about that was you were just like, fuck it. It's basically just going to be a podcast about me and things that I'm interested in. And this is going to be my gateway to learn everything that I possibly can. And then also simultaneously share that information with the world.
0: Yep. Yeah. I felt a little tied to the cannabis thing and it was fun and it was kind of cavalier in that, in, in my attitude And it was kind of like a big fuck you to a lot of people and things and establishments that now that we were in 2018, 2019, I had the opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. And, and I validated it by a lot of the things that we did. And I kind of got so pissed because the event company we were running. Yeah. COVID COVID hit. And it's just like, being based in Los Angeles in a time where there's a pandemic, having an event company where cannabis is the center of it just is not a good focus of my time at the moment. So I just pivot, you know, and try to adapt as best I can. And it doesn't mean that that's dead, but it means that my time and energy is going to go into the, the places where I'm going to get a return. And
1: well, for sure. You know, why would you not? I mean, like that's kind of the reason why I think during all of this three months into a pandemic, I think that's why we were able to grow our sales out of this from where we were was because everyone started to ease up off the gas a little bit on ad spend because they're like, well, we're not really quite sure what's going to happen here because supply chains are moving differently. Everything starts to move differently. And because of that, we just started to increase our ad spend
0: mm-hmm. every
1: day, and I mean whenever you do that and you have something that converts, you just need to keep ramping it until you run the wheels off of it the 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 risk that you have in our industry anyways, if you're selling anything with even five percent c b d is that banks can can get a little leery of of that sort of thing mm-hmm but I know that you wanted to talk about crypto, too. Uh, you sent me an article about two brothers in, uh, in Pennsylvania that got some SEC filings, uh, <laughs> basically running a full-blown Ponzi scheme into their accounts through an exchange, if I read it correctly.
0: Let me, let me set this up, right? Because I, I do want to be respectful. I grew up with these guys, and everybody's innocent until proven guilty, I think, is the number one thing, right? Agreed. That said, I know your involvement in cryptocurrency. Um, I know you do a lot, little bit of day trading. I know you trade in Bitcoin. And I've yeah. followed along a lot of what you've been saying. And it made me think about this story that's happening in my hometown where um, two brothers who had a, a hedge fund that was trading in crypto um, kind of centered around a really interesting concept of um, artificial intelligence and computer learning where they were scraping news articles online and running it through an algorithm that was predicting which cryptos to buy and sell and they were claiming humongous returns and were leveraging a network of a really small town in of where I grew up in Pennsylvania as well as some other folks and um FBI is now involved and the SEC is involved And I think they have, they are waiting some time right now to deliver. I think a a complete accounting of of where the funds are, but there's a lot of speculation going on. And
1: well, the the filing that I read, it's it specifically stated that they transferred into their own personal assets and then exchanged it back out into another uh, exchange, and then and then dispersed it again into different wallets. That's that's literally what the article said, right? I, I, I don't know what is true and what's not. I, those are the allegations that they are making, I should say. Yeah. from the S-
0: So I, I was curious. I mean, is it a tax thing you think?
1: I mean, the, what I saw in the discrepancy was that they were claiming that they made like a hundred percent plus return one quarter and 98% the other quarter. And that in fact they were actually negative on their return. So that that's where the discrepancy was. Whenever they filed their exchange filings versus what they were telling the public. Mm-hmm. I think that sparked the whole thing. And that was just a, a quick read that I did over it while I was driving in the car. I mean, I wasn't using my phone. No. Driving.
0: <laughs> of course not. Buy buy one of those cars that read it to you, dude.
1: I have, I have one. I just don't use that. I like to, I like to scroll.
0: Yeah. I just, I found that I wanted to run that by you in, in the fact that uh, you've probably heard or seen a lot of different things in the crypto world.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, like I, I think that you're going to have your good and bad exchanges. I think that anytime that the IRS doesn't necessarily understand how to attack something, or it looks like you may be taking gains without, you know, filing a tax. I think that they will make your life hell until they figure out a way to basically take something off the teeth. And I think a lot of these crypto companies would make their lives a lot easier if they basically just offered a way to be like, hey, here's how we're going to do it. And I, it would be great if there was an exchange that. You could, you know, buy and sell Bitcoin and buy and sell Link and Ethereum and fucking Tezos and all these other altcoins. And anytime that you are doing it, it automatically takes your capital gains tradings into account and just sets it into a USD wallet. And then you just fucking pay it at the end of the year. Like that would make everything so much easier is if there was an algorithm for that. But there isn't. So now that I've thought of that, I may actually talk to my developer about that.
0: I'll give you a week before I release
1: this. (laughs) No, 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 go ahead. I don't care. Um, But the the reality is that, like if you could find something that that solved that fucking problem for you, trading crypto would be very easy. I think a lot of people's fear in getting into it, number one is they don't understand how Bitcoin, for instance, works. And I'm not the guy to explain it to you, but basically... There's a fixed amount of supply for it and there's way more fucking people on Earth and way more dollars in gold. And if any of that transfers over or any monetary increase in, in Bitcoin happens, uh it's it's going to continue to be one of the best performing asset classes in history.
0: The the last spike in, in Bitcoin, it climbed up over twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, bit, right. What do you, what's the estimate right now? I've heard 30, 35.
1: Uh, I've, I've seen that by 2022, it should be over a hundred K a coin. Uh, and if that's the case, and I mean, it, it's very easy that that could happen. I mean, you got to think whenever the fed prints more money and prints more stimulus mm-hmm. into the market, that money has to flow places and in my opinion i don't see why it wouldn't flow into bitcoin if you had invested your 1200 hundred dollar stimulus check i think that you'd be up like 61 percent right now
0: mm-hmm.
1: at that time so like what other what other assets are there that are as liquid as bitcoin and has the potential long term in 5 10 15 years kodak Ha, that's true. But only if you have insider trading.
0: Now, you make a really good point. And I think I've been saying it, I've I've heard it. I'm regurgitating the information. I'm far from an economics expert at all. Um, But the economy was not doing as well as everybody thinks it was doing. And there's going to be a potential humongous devaluation of the U.S. dollar in the coming year or two a massive amount of inflation yep. and with a global go- I don't care who's president right now, what the direction a lot of middle Americans want the country to go. The world is pushing very hard in the direction of a global economy, a global society. And I yep. think that barring some sort of crazy revolution in the short term there will be too much momentum to stop that from happening at some point in time. And cryptocurrency is the only answer to that type of currency and global economy that's available right now. And let alone, I don't think that a lot of people understand how crypto in cases like uh, XRP, things of that nature were more leveraged and angled for uh, enterprise and banking right for transferring money quicker with smaller fees those types of things are what drive valuations and access um, you know return on investment
1: for certain i've been i've been buying bitcoin since 2014 and just dollar cost averaging it anytime that i've had extra money that i knew i didn't need to think about and i didn't want to think about until 2030 or 2040 I would just toss in there because up until this point I mean it's been obviously my best performing asset class uh you know I think I'm I'm averaging around somewhere around like 1289 a coin right now so it's about 10x almost 9x Mm mm-hmm uh, in a very short amount of time. I mean 6 years is very short to to 9x your money.
0: Oh my god, yeah. And think about how many people got paid out in bitcoin through like Bodog when they were playing poker stars or other types of online gambling and forgot the passwords to the accounts over time didn't realize what they had. How much money's yeah. been left on the table. <laughs>
1: Oh, there is an estimated, I think, 4 million Bitcoins that are lost forever. Oh. So out of 21 million, 4 million are lost. So you want to talk about scarcity. Now you have 17 potential million coins that are available in existence for the rest of humanity.
0: Incredible. What yeah. what do you, what do you think? Dry, I've heard a lot of talk about these these whales who've been moving close to a billion dollars in bitcoin. What yeah,
1: happened Saturday night, fuckers? Really? Yeah, and what's Asia.
0: the what's the impact? Does that have an impact on the market when somebody just even moves that around?
1: Yeah, so this guy or girl, someone someone in Asia uh in the middle of the night is my understanding from Twitter. Uh moved about a billion dollars out of Bitcoin and it dropped it from like 12,100 or 12,200, depending on what exchange you're on, all the way down to like ten four.
0: Here's a question. If you have the ability to manipulate the numbers like that by pulling your money, why would you not cash out and then buy back in when the market drops? Because it's not traceable and you literally have at that point when you've acquired that much Bitcoin and your transaction impacts the market that much, you can artificially grow your money whenever you'd want by just withdrawing it and then reinvesting.
1: You you can, but you can only do that so many times because if he wants to go buy back in now and the market has picked up his loss, right? Mm -hmm. They pick it up from the bottom. Now he may be buying or she may be buying back in and she's already almost right back to where she sold. So you're losing the scarce asset at the same time because you're devaluing yourself over time. I I think that it doesn't make sense. Like you may do it or if you're a large hedge fund or something like that and you've bought up a bunch of, you know, this Bitcoin, it it makes sense. Yeah, I'm talking
0: somebody with an, you'd have to have enough to even make the market move that much.
1: Correct. Yeah. And I I think it was just a panic because nobody had ever, well, not nobody, but we hadn't been at 12,000 since 2017, right? 2018, whatever it was with the last thing. I don't remember. Um, Somebody cashed out. Yeah. But yeah. So someone cashed out whenever it hit 12 and you know it made everyone panic because on twitter there's bots and it just tells you if there's a big giant whale move and uh you know you can just it was crazy it was like four minutes it just dropped like 1500 a coin it was wild it's incredible but i mean on the last bull run to 20,000, I think that there were six 30% drawbacks before it hit 20K. So, I mean, it's just to be expected. Like, I am not betting on taking any of this money out for anything. Like, I'm betting on it long term. And I think that the pandemic, honestly, only made it stronger. Have you
0: ever looked into accepting bitcoin for payment on your products?
1: Yes, but I again I work with my father-in-law and he is very old school and bitcoin is not something that he is willing to mess with. So, you have to you have to mix old school and new school and sometimes you, they don't always cross blend yeah but yeah i would much prefer to accept it to be totally honest and then just hold it forever
0: it's a good way to save your money
1: yep but yeah that i've i actually i accept bitcoin from like my my consulting clients if they'll pay me in that i actually prefer it that way
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh, that's so, smart. Our-
0: that's smart um did i see you're getting ready to start your own podcast up again
1: yeah, it's going to be called Business in Buds, and uh, basically, I'm just going to talk business with my buddies, and just see where it goes. I have, I have no, not to say that I don't have a plan for it because I do, but like, I, my initial plan is that I want to have like a a small, close group that pays for the production essentially of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And then anything beyond that is just gravy. But I just want to be able to, to pay for the production of the podcast through a closed group where I can provide extra value to them and, you know, have it be more one-on-one. And, um,
0: Well, it's just, you just need two people, right? I mean, just somebody that can do the editing. That's kind of your producer that you yep. that that you know you're splitting that with or however however you do that split with but I mean dude I very very low overhead as you're as you're aware of what I'm doing
1: oh no it's cheap like I literally I don't need a whole lot of people to cover the, to cover the overhead that's that's what I'm saying like my goal for that is is mostly to just get out an educational message yeah. and uh, you know discuss things that are working with me and my friends in real time versus like trying to sell you on a a grand course for 50 grand at the end of the day. Like I just want to have like an open forum to where like I can communicate with you or anyone else and bounce ideas off of one another and you know, just give people early access or a one-on-one call or whatever it is that I need to do. To provide extra value for them
0: yeah there is just a slimy aspect to that i I mean i get it i and i appreciate the hustle right i don't want to knock the hustle but i've i definitely have found myself on a couple of different like hey why don't you join this we're going to share some information (laughs) and then like you get halfway through and it's like yeah if you want to do all this you need to buy this course and you need to buy
1: this software
0: and it's going to cost you 2500 dollars.
1: Yeah. No, I don't have any courses at all. Like I just want to like, if people want my time one on one, Yeah. I want people to give them access in a more group setting for like a Q&A yep. versus being able to, or needing to answer the same question on 10 phone calls because people oh, go so to my, so inefficient. And- Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to want to ask questions to me one-on-one outside of that, I will give you access for an hour each week. And there will be people in the group and anyone can ask a question and I'll answer it. Or, and I don't care if it runs long, whatever it is, I'll answer all the questions until they're, they're done. Mm -hmm. And I don't have anything else to sell, but like if you guys are going to take up my time for that, I would rather get paid for multiple people at one time than yep. just one- one-on-one.
0: Well, and then there's value in addition to all of those individuals hearing other people's questions because you might be hearing something that you didn't even think about getting an answer to it before you even thought about it or had to go through dealing with the shit. You know Absolutely. Something?
1: And if I don't know the answer to that, I'm going to be like, I have no fucking clue.
0: Yeah. And it actually yeah, it might benefit you. You might be like, well, fuck, I didn't even think about that.
1: Yeah. So, no, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't look at it from like a slimy aspect. I look at it from a perception of like my time, you know, a time to a, to a group. Then I think that I deserve to be compensated, especially if I'm the one leading the call. Uh,
0: I I don't disagree with that at all. I I'm talking more. I've been invited to, Hey, join this webinar Mm. around, Ecom and and how to build effective ads, and then you oh, get out yeah. there and you start watching the slideshow, and they you can tell right from like the third slide, it's like wow, you're spending a, you spend a lot of time really pumping yourself up and showing this great life that you live. I know it's coming, and then like by slide six, it's like up oh, there it is, you know, sign up today for twenty five hundred dollars for the advertising software that'll help you optimize your ads, and it's our proprietary Correct. stuff and we use it specifically to drive and live in Bermuda and have a boat. I got
1: no, I got no upsells. (laughs) I I got no upsells on that. None. I I would rather have
0: them said, Hey, come and sit in on the webinar. It's going to cost you a hundred dollars because I've got a lot of valuable information and then be, and then be the person that over delivers on the hundred dollars of value so that those people are like, fuck man, I only paid a hundred dollars for that. He just impacted my life times um, a thousand.
1: Yep. And that's exactly what I want to achieve with that is, and maybe like, maybe it's like an only fans sort of podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where it's just like exclusive content where people are paying a certain monthly fee to have, you know, eight podcasts a month that are business driven with whatever and i know that they can be accessed elsewhere like on youtube with all these other people but the ability for the fans to also ask questions in live time to andy frisella if i ever get the opportunity to interview him or to sean whalen or whomever if i get to interview these guys and they get to also ask questions to the people and i ask them for them there's i think there's tremendous value in that it's just a different business model. Yeah, without a doubt. That's the key right now.
0: There's so much going on and everybody's doing. I was on a call last night with um, someone, my sister-in-law actually started a podcast, which is geared towards mental health. So she's a mental health therapist and an art therapist. And so she's doing one that's really just geared around those types of issues. And uh, we're talking about different things and, and ways that she can try to reach more people and you know I was explaining to her I'm like just be be yourself and find your your niche find your authentic voice and do that and don't placate to the likes because especially before you have millions of followers you can't trust the numbers you can't say oh this video or this podcast got more views or likes than this podcast sure. did because quite honestly, when, you, when you're dealing with hundreds or thousands of viewers, you might have just found the day that people were busy at work and so the numbers look odd. It's not until you start dealing with millions of views and clicks and downloads that you can really start gathering trend analysis from the information and it's the same in business and e-comm and how you look at those numbers. You, you kind of have to understand the law of low numbers, so to speak. 100%
1: um i mean joe rogan did his podcast for what 12 years mhm diligently yeah before like really taking like a big deal and i'm sure youtube paid him you know well but i'm sure they also demonetized the fuck out of him all the time
0: yeah you know it, it was an eye-opening experience for me because when i got involved in the podcast and my brother was my brother and i were doing the bud brothers podcast we got approached and we having some conversations about taking our podcast to a studio with another group of people and we were kind of talking about giving up the rights to some of it in exchange for help with production a studio maybe a monthly stipend and the ability to monetize it and help us run ads. And Mm -hmm. it it didn't ultimately come to fruition. And I'm so glad I am just like thinking like, where would I have found myself? I would have found myself right back at a nine to five answering to somebody else. And just in that short amount of time, I've learned how much more I can do all of the things that I thought that I needed somebody else to do for me. And Mm -hmm. there certainly are things that I can't do as well and that I need and I still learn, you know, wow, that's, that's just not my strength and I gotta go find somebody and I'm getting better at being efficient and doing that. Like, okay, who do I know? Well, who can I leverage? What's a fair price? How do you negotiate that into the best interest of myself or my business? And it all just comes with reps and doing it and having the conversations and learning and not being afraid to ask. And if you do ask, and people are not wanting to share, maybe analyze that. Like, who the fuck am I hanging out with, and what's their resistance to me being successful, mm-hmm. uh, or is it the way that I'm asking? Because I think that's the other thing. I have some friends, and you know, and different people in my life who maybe I'm a maybe I'm just a, not a very nice person in how I deliver message, but I I'm very direct in. Just, you know, like get to the point, understand what it is that you're trying to accomplish, ask the right questions. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed to not know. Don't posture and position to pretend as if you do to try to Mm -hmm. make asking a question easier because all it does is make things more complicated. There's just a way about going about it that I think having somebody be able to tell you or coach you or listen to it through podcasts or YouTube or whatever, is helpful, but some of it is just baptism. You've got to get your head stuffed under the water and suck some of it up into your nose and have it burn and cough and. <laughs>
1: yeah, oh yeah. And well, I think that the the reality of that is like, if you, if you want to get to, I was thinking about this the other day, cause like I got down on myself a little bit whenever like the banks fucked with us again, right? Like, we didn't do anything that was wrong, but they basically just fucked with us. And I was like, fuck, like, it's so hard. And I literally said this out loud. And I said, it's so hard to grow a company to, like, 20, 50, 100 million. And my wife, like, looked at me, and she was just like, no fucking shit. Like, figure it out. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Like, that's literally, like, but I had, like, this moment of, like, doubt that like came over it and almost self pity. And it was just a train of thought that happened in my brain. And what you just said right there, just, you know, correlated with me with that. Mm-hmm. Like, go listen, you- to, uh,
0: go listen to an Elon Musk interview and then wrap your head around the fact that he was a, an instrumental part of PayPal. He's mm-hmm. developed Tesla. I mean, he basically took and fashionably, created electronic cars, which are way faster and perform way better than any type of combustible engine vehicle that we have on Earth. He's- Are you buying one? Oh man, I I just- You want one? I would love to drive one. My fear is being in Pennsylvania and where I go. Like if I was to drive a Tesla back home to Bradford, Pennsylvania, where would I charge it? How would I charge it?
1: You would have a charger that's in your car and you can literally plug it into the wall at wherever you get to. It's...
0: You can, so you can actually, you don't have to find like a charging port station. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> I got to look at it. See, I just have kind of assumed <laughs> that I, I'm like, I still haven't seen any uh, Tesla charging no, no, ports. No, no. in your like,
1: Plug it right into like a 110 volt fucking jack if you want to. It just takes longer, but you can get a charge. Like if you drove to Bradford, and you were staying there for the night, you would just plug your car in for the night, and then by morning, it would be charged. Yeah,
0: those flip-up doors are pretty dope.
1: On the X? Yeah. Yeah, I like them too. I checked out the Y, and I wasn't initially a fan of it until I saw it in person, and it's very sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's just, it's it's the next generation. It's it's so cool. I, um, I'll always have a place in my heart for mechanical vehicles, but...
1: Well, there's something about like exhaust and, you know, yeah. just feeling the RPMs go up and all that stuff. But there is also something pretty phenomenal whenever you step on the gas in a Tesla and there's no sound and you're zero to 60 in no time.
0: Yeah. Now I know I have a supercharge in, in my car and it's, uh, it's still not a Tesla.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that in your SUV? yeah yeah
0: yeah boogies it moves it's a lot of fun too much fun yeah well
1: it's a family car too (laughs) yes
0: it's got some family it's got family miles on it for sure
1: is do we have uh do we have anything else that you wanted to go over on the podcast
0: um yeah man i think we covered everything i um I wanted I definitely wanted to talk ecom with you and I think just being able to go over all that stuff and it allows people to understand the process and I think in in a lot of cases it makes it less intimidating you know or at least it gives you a heads up as to where some of the the stumbling blocks can be and mm-hmm. it makes it more tolerable when you when you know what to expect because I know for me I've tried and failed multiple times I get a kick out of it too. Cause I, I had a, a clothing apparel line that I had kind of gotten the ball rolling with like four years ago. And I heard people were like, Oh, so you have a podcast again now and what happened to the clothing line? And like in a way that was
1: condescending. Well,
0: yeah. There there was a little bit of like, ha, what happened? I'm still at my job. What are you doing? And I was like thinking you, you, you silly fool don't even understand All the things that you're pointing out that you think are exposing me as, I don't know, whatever it is in your mind that you're trying to create, those are the actual, those are the years of my doctorate. Those are the years of getting advanced degrees in running a business and understanding how to do the things that I'm doing. And the failures that I'm going to have now and even next year and five years from now will be the learning experiences and the building blocks for the life that I've envisioned for myself. You know, when my child's out of the house and my wife and I can go do what we have planned in 18 years, you know, there's a plan, there's an idea and a vision and I'm sure it's going to shift and alter just like it has, but the intensity in which over the last seven and eight years has only gotten stronger and stronger as I've seen, I don't know if it's the, the law of, gravitation or the law of intuition or manifesting Mm -hmm. my destiny or, or whatever. But I think if you focus intently enough on things, you're going to, you're going to figure out a way to get it.
1: There's no doubt at all in my mind. Like I, I write down things every day and I have a folder inside of my notes app called daily and then every night i write down all the things that i need to do for the next day and then i move it to that list and then throughout the day i go through and i make notes about every single thing that happened during that day just so that way i can remember go back and look because i'm a fucking stoner and i forget but like it goes back to the beginning of our conversation where like you focus on the things that you want to achieve and they happen, like it doesn't matter necessarily if you have to pivot or adjust. Uh, the first TBD brand that I launched, I didn't do any uh, due diligence and we started uh, February 8th and from February 8th, February 28th, our first like 20 days, uh, we did 212,000 in sales. Then I got a letter from a company that said, hey, you're using a similar brand name to ours. We need you to stop." And I was like, fuck, like I just spent six weeks building this last goddamn thing. Now I have to switch. And it, I was like, well, I can either fight them or, you know, just switch. And they were here first. So like, I'm just gonna switch. It's the right thing to do. So I, so I did that. Mm-hmm. And I, I had 72 hours to respond to their letter. And within 48 hours, my developer had switched over all the pages, created a totally new brand, new bank site, and we got approved a CBD merchant account that wasn't necessarily technically approved for CBD, but short term, it was gonna work. And we just we switched all the links out to our affiliates and kept running. We never missed a, a beat and we met our 72 hour guideline and then you know we've had to pivot brands because sometimes the brand just stops converting like it's no different than exactly what you're discussing here Mm -hmm. like you just have to all of those things just make you a better entrepreneur at the end of the day because you have to be able to think quickly on your feet and I think being able to manage high stress levels and know that you can delegate out the situation and not panic in the moment is ultimately the skill that you are desiring as a whole. It is how can you increase your stress threshold to maximum capacity? And that's what I think a good entrepreneur does.
0: Yeah, you, gotta yeah. Put, and you have to put yourself in somewhat uncomfortable positions on a regular basis to Mm -hmm. train your mind to execute in those moments and I think that's what it what it comes down to so whether it's just keeping yourself busy with different opportunities and letting the organic problems kick up and you know you need to solve them might not be the smartest way to try to to learn on the job that way but I'm sure it works or even you know doing things outside of it like martial arts I'm I probably talk about it too much on here. I have so many different people from that space, but jujitsu and mixed martial arts. I mean, what a better way to sharpen your mind around accountability, around creativity. Jujitsu is such a creative art form of problem solving and thinking ahead. It translates into life, man. And those things, exercise, just pushing yourself hard every single day or four days a week and sticking to a schedule of exercise is a way to train your mind mentally for those situations that you can't, if you're gonna capitalize in business, you can't try to predict like a weatherman when opportunities are gonna come your way. You just have to be ready. You have to be ready to identify it. You need to be ready to know how you're gonna proceed when you do identify it, if you're willing to take the risk. And then you've got to you've got to execute flawlessly, sometimes under pressure, or sometimes you know, the pressure of risk of of losing a lot of money or reputation or time, energy. I mean, it all comes into a factor. And if you if you haven't taken the swings, it's like going to the foul line and knowing you haven't shot in a foul shot in months, but you've got to make two of them. With a screaming crowd and two seconds left in the biggest game of your life. Good fucking luck, man. You're not gonna you're gonna fall flat on your face. You're gonna brick it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, that is an amazing analogy. So I like that weed uh weed art in the background behind your head.
0: Oh yeah. He um you know, I was supposed to connect with him. In Los Angeles, but uh, I wasn't able to get out there because of my vacation to South Carolina. Shout out Can Escapes. He's, uh, he's a really dope artist. I think he's in Colorado, if I'm not mistaken. That's sweet. Greg. Yeah. I think his name's Greg.
1: Right. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, of course, man. I appreciate you coming on. We'll have to do it more often. Appreciate it. Awesome.